when I'm trying to uh, like assert myself as a marginalized person, <laughs> like why should I have to restrain myself? Like, oh my right. god, I like Craig's this talking shit is about nuanced. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Craig's talking about letting emails in his draft folder. I do that too, but then I come back and I'm more angry. Punks podcast. This is your host, Craig Biderman, bringing you another conversation with the Daily Disruptor and Everyday Educator. This week, Katie and I are talking to our friend Shauna Potter from the band War on Women. She is a badass. She is one of our favorite human beings, uh, an overall just big old activist in the punk scene uh, for human rights, women's rights, trans rights, queer rights, uh, indigenous people rights. Uh, they cover it all in War on Women. And uh, we get to talk about their new album that comes out this Friday, April April 13th, Friday the 13th. Uh, It's called Capture the Flag. It comes out on Bridge Nine Records, who also released the first War on Women uh, album. And yeah, this is a really fun conversation about being a better ally, uh, knowing when to call in people, call out people, and a little bit on restorative justice and what that looks like in the music scene and how we can create better environments for people in all types of bodies and all sorts of lifestyles so that we can actually have a good equitable uh, scene and future as a community and as a world. It's great. And we actually get to see Shauna tomorrow, uh, uh, Thursday. This is posting on a Wednesday. We get to see Shauna this week. It'll be nice to see her in human form. We've seen her in human form before, but it'll be nice. I prefer interacting with people in human form than online form. Uh, folks might not know, Katie and I met uh, in online. Uh, we met online, and then we got to meet in human form. So it was nice to know that we weren't catfishing each other. That's great. Uh, <laughs> it's nice to know that the person who ended up being my best friend was who they said they were. That's always great. <laughs> uh, if you like this conversation, please comment, subscribe, share it, rate, review, tell your friends, tell your folks, uh, let them know. This is a, this is a great conversation. We cover a lot of topics. Uh, follow us on, uh, Instagram and Twitter at edupunkspod. And yeah, let's get to this conversation with Shauna Potter. It's going to be great. Shauna Potter. How are you doing, Shauna? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm doing okay. Just got back from a run. <laughs> classic me. <laughs> I just got up from a nap. Also classic me. Classic you. <laughs> I, I actually really hope to exercise when we're done. So um, I might still have all my coffee energy and candy energy. <laughs> That's what I use. I use my cold brew energy to, to hit the pavement just now. Mm-hmm. Uh, is the weather nice and you're in Baltimore, right? Yeah, we're in Baltimore. It's sunny today. Nice. It's around 50, 60 degrees. Um, I know that's a big difference. <laughs> I think just 50, but it's, it's really nice. And our weather here is always up and down. So mm-hmm. the fact that it's over 40 and sunny, I'm happy. Well, especially like the last couple of weeks, I feel like we've just been getting like a ridiculous ups and downs with our weather like mm-hmm. it was supposed to snow one day and then it was 60 and then what the mm-hmm. hell is going on and today it's just so nice yeah so nice. yeah ah. all right cool well we know a little bit about you but folks listening <laughs> might not know anything about you can you tell folks who you are what you do where you're from that that sort of stuff sure well i'm shauna and i'm from baltimore and uh i sing for a band called war on women and I run the Baltimore chapter of Hollaback. And I teach 
Safer Space workshops, and I fix guitar and bass amps for a living, and I watch a lot of TV. Nice. We'll probably get. To, we'll definitely get to the TV stuff a little later. <laughs> All that other stuff. Eh, who knows? <laughs> so let's talk about War on Women. Um, for folks who don't know the band, when did you all get started and kind of how have you evolved into the band you are today? Uh, we started around 2011 and we're, we call ourselves a feminist hardcore band. Um, and I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we've just been, our third record is about to come out. Um, it'll be out April 13th on Bridge Nine Records. And so we're, this is an exciting time because we have new new stuff to share with everybody and new shows to play. And, um, so yeah, we're just, we're gearing up for, I'm literally leaving town in a couple days to kind of start the first round of, of shows supporting this record. Um, and I'm excited. Yeah. And bridge nine is a mass label, which is super sweet. We've been to the warehouse a couple times. Um, yeah. what's the relationship like with bridge nine? Cause y'all, y'all tend to push some buttons. So it's nice. To, I imagine you have a label <laughs> that supports you. <laughs> it, it is really nice. Um, they, I really feel welcome with bridge nine. I feel like they do support us. Um, I was asking, you know, it's a kind of label where it's actually small enough where I can text the president of bridge nine anytime I want. We're friends, you know? And so we were talking about the new record and I was like, um, do you like the new record? You haven't said anything. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I, I'm a realist. I know it's not for everyone. There's no reason why anything I do should or has to be palatable to everyone. That doesn't make any sense. Like, so he doesn't have to like it to put it out in my opinion. Like, um, like, cause art is so subjective, you know, like you like what you like. Right. Um, but he just hadn't said anything. So I was like, do you even like it? It's okay if you don't. And he's like, no, 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 I like it. I like it. Um, and he said, it's cool because when we're working on one of your records, it feels more important than just releasing a record. Oh, it's like, it's like, it means something to him. And, you know, he has a young daughter and he he took her to see us play at Warp Tour last summer, and she got to dance around on stage with me a little. Like, I kept making eye contact with her to be like, it's just you and me. Don't worry about all the people around you, you know? And it was really fun, and it's really cool. Um, and, you know, we can make merch that he can take to a women's march with his daughter. And um, so, yeah, I think, they, I think everyone there gets it. They get what we're doing. They're supportive. It's not just – they're definitely not putting out our records to make money. So <laughs> they're on our team for sure. One could argue that many labels don't put out albums to make much exactly. money these days. Exactly, yeah. Which is, I guess, neither here nor there. But <laughs> y'all are pretty outspoken um about a lot of issues women's rights trans rights sexual assault many other issues um what experiences have like challenged y'all along the way and kind of what makes you fight for it um i think at first it was really interesting to hear uh people pushing back against our feminist views and to to read all the weird comments online um after articles about us or something and Um, you know, not many people just straight up yell weird things to us at our shows. Um, but we have, we've certainly gotten like literally street harassed while we're on stage or, um, just actually a weird comment in Boston one time. Um, just like (laughs) a guy yelling, this, this is unoriginal. It's derivative. (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) that's such a weird thing to say in between songs for a band. Like, who talks like that? Um, Also, what band isn't derivative? (laughs) One, what band isn't derivative in in some way? Two, uh, oh, yeah, how many, like, we just got done playing Roe v. World. And I was like, oh, you've heard other bands scream about having an abortion over and over for three minutes? I didn't realize that, that we weren't the first on that. Um, yeah, is Imagine sure Dragons to, doing that? Yeah, like, oh, I'm sure you're going to a lot of feminist hardcore shows, dude, and what we're doing is so common for you. <laughs> You've seen it all before. Uh, sure, whatever you say. Um, yeah, and, and again, you don't have to like our band, but to think that to think that we sound exactly like someone else when we're talking about these issues, it's like, no, there aren't enough people talking about these issues. Obviously, people do, 
and the more the better but but come on dude <laughs> you're not you're not telling any male band that same thing mm-hmm. um but uh you know but after like the first few years of you know every now and again being amused by that kind of stuff it's like i just don't care anymore if someone is hesitant or weird about our band and what we stand for like i don't give a shit um it's not interesting to me um so i don't know it's kind of nice to get to a place of indifference um but those people those people don't challenge me in any way because you know what what challenges me are people that you know are are the are the issues you know like i'm a really privileged person for the most part so um there's so much for me to learn and and so many ways for me to keep being a better ally to others and be a good activist and 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 so that's challenging to me is just to to continue the growth um of of my awareness or activism and that's you know that kind of started around the time the band started in 2011 so i get challenged by you know being called in by people and um and I'm, I'm appreciative of those of those times. And actually, we had something recently. I wasn't sure if I wanted to talk about it, but um, there's this interview of that I did that made the rounds on Twitter a little bit. Um, and it's from like a year ago now. And 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 so every now and again, someone will be like, "Hey, did you guys see this kind of thing?" And I say something in the in the interview. I'm quoted as saying. Um, yes, sometimes it shows we have said, you know, fems to the front and, um, and which is not a verbatim, like in the interview, I'm not saying verbatim what I have said it shows. It's just like kind of referencing the general idea of every now and again, I'm like, Hey, um, if you normally don't take, actually what I normally say it shows is if you don't take up a lot of space during your normal life, tonight is a night to take up space. <laughs> if you normally take up a lot of space, maybe give up some of your space tonight. And and I've started saying it that way after having conversations with people that are like non-binary and trans that say, you know, when you say femme or, or butch or whatever, like we don't know if you're talking about us because we don't know how you interpret our presentation. And so we don't know who you're talking to. So instead of fighting with you about it or, or wondering we want to leave instead and not, not deal with it. And I'm like, Oh God, like I don't want that to happen. So, you know, no ally is perfect and I'm always trying to do better. And so I started, I started making it not about butcher femme or, or gender, but in this interview, I was kind of, I was kind of simplifying it for the woman I was talking to. And so now that that interview's out there, there are some like trans masculine folks and non-binary folks that are like, it just sounds like you're saying if I don't wear lipstick, then I'm not worthy of being up front, even though I still experience violence for who I am. And, um, and that sucks. I, I, I hate that I said something that has been hurtful to people. Um, and so, you know, I'm trying to work on an apology that is appropriate and, and isn't, um, dismissive because I feel terrible that anyone would get that impression. And and even though I feel like I explained, I said fems and if I, was, I said, if anyone is non-traditionally masculine, which to me just means cisgender heterosexual man. So I said, any, if, if you're non-traditionally masculine, like then you deserve to be up front kind of thing. But I, I I'm hearing now from that community that that's kind of not enough it's not clear enough. It's not well. It's not the welcome mat at the door that makes it explicit. That no, I mean you too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm literally in the middle of like of of thinking about that and being better about not centering femmes, mm-hmm. right? But it shows that you're thinking about it though, because I feel like some people we have a we have a social justice culture of straight up calling out. And in, mm-hmm. in moments where you're getting called in, it's important to actually like sit with that and not, and I'm personally learning how to not respond with whatever my gut is immediately telling yeah. me to do. And like my instinct, my, uh, my, um, I don't know. I, I just, I, I tend to go with my first, uh, thing that pops into my head and I'm trying to like actually sit and 
not sit with the discomfort. Yeah, and and be and and that's what I tell students all the day, all the time. Is like, hey, if you're feeling uncomfortable right now, someone's doing their job. So mm-hmm. just be comfortable in this discomfort right now, because eventually it'll probably feel a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. and it's interesting because obviously, like whatever your first knee jerk reaction is, like it's always going to be defensive. And it's always about you and not what they're saying. Mm -hmm. And so if you, you know, it's really hard to know. It's really hard to remember that in our modern culture where you can say anything you want on Twitter in a split second, like you, you literally don't have to respond to anything immediately, even if it feels like you do. Oh, they just tweeted at me. I have to tweet back Mm -hmm. right now. That's when you put your foot in your mouth, you know, because you're, you, you need to sit and wait and think it through, get over your defensiveness. Mm -hmm. And then it usually becomes clearer, like, oh, okay, I see what they're saying. I see my part in this now. I I see how I can do better. And and usually doing better is not doing the first thing that comes to mind. (laughs) (laughs) No, I had a I had a email uh, chain going with some folks who were planning a conference in student affairs. And one of their emails was like, kind of dismissive to me. And my initial, I fired off something. I was like ready. And I actually let it sit in my drafts for four weeks. And then I I came back to it. I write and I went to my therapist and I said, this is what I'm, I'm, this has been on my brain for four weeks. And then I, my therapist was like, yeah, but can you think of a compromise? And I was like, I'm not that type of person. (laughs) And I ended up sending off the compromise and it went off so well and ended up being in such a better uh, situation for everyone. And I was like, okay, I just learned something. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard. I mean, honestly, to me, that is proof that I've always, I've always felt that everyone should go to therapy. (laughs) nobody knows what the hell they're doing nobody has the right coping mechanisms or communication skill nobody because parents are trying to keep you alive they can't also know everything about everything like they're trying to feed you and give you a roof over your head so like we need to seek out professional help every single person on the planet would benefit Mm -hmm. from going to therapy just having a professional take a look at what you're what are you trying to say what is your end goal what's the best case scenario how do you get there and um, so I'm a I'm a huge proponent of, of seeking counseling or therapy or whatever. Yep. Um, and yeah, it's it's been helping me. I think it's helped in our band, like interpersonally. Um, you know, anytime you figure your shit out, like then you're actually able to work for the world that you want. Yeah. But you, you I don't feel that people can really do that if they're hanging on to a lot of baggage. And unfortunately, a lot of marginalized people have to carry that like they don't have a choice they've been given that baggage by by society right like Mm -hmm. like they didn't they didn't go buy it themselves like someone was pushing baggage on them and so they're like well okay now what do i do so i just i think it should be a part of healthcare. i think it should be sliding scale i think everyone should have access to um you know, mental health care. Oh yeah. Cause your brain is a part of your body. Duh. And your brain gets sick too. <laughs> your brain gets sick too. You're talking to two kids who've figured their shit out because of therapy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and we've had a couple recent guests that have been pushing this too. So I feel like it's becoming more of a theme and I hope folks listening are paying attention to that. I know. I just, I wish that I had started it in my twenties, you know, mm-hmm. Um, oh, instead yeah. of waiting till my thirties, like I, I just think it should happen as early as possible. And I've only ever seen benefits. Once you find the right fit, not everyone finds it right away, mm-hmm. but if you find the right fit, like it can, it can just improve your life, you know? So I'm hoping that it's like, that's why all this, all, this is a total tangent, but that's why like all the gun talk mm-hmm. makes me upset. Everyone mentioning mental health. And I'm just like, you don't care about mental health. Stop lying. So mm-hmm. like, you don't even know what that means. Like mm-hmm. this isn't a, this you're talking about people. You're not saying, you know, I don't, uh, okay. I'll stop. <laughs> no worries. It's, no worries. it's another podcast altogether. It is. <laughs> Did you have anything? Were you going to say something? Well, yeah. I mean, I feel like this whole from, uh, yeah, I didn't interject. This is my, I need to learn how to take up more space. Um, there you go. There you go. <laughs> no, um, I was just thinking, like, um, 
Like, I identify as non-binary, but I am also still, like, fairly femme. So, like, that's, I like, the conversation you were talking about, like, I don't know if that's something that would have necessarily occurred to me. Like, but I also am, like, fairly aware of your music and, like, what y'all stand for as a band. So, like, that also, I don't feel like I ever would have been like, ah, war on women is not inclusive of trans people. <laughs> Because that's, yeah. that's just not accurate to yeah. me, to me. So, like, that's so fascinating to, to hear that that ha- is something that has happened. And, like, total valid interpretation. Like, I, I totally get that. So that's – I was thinking that. Um, and then when you were talking about mental health stuff and knee-jerk reactions, I was also thinking of how hard that is to do when – it's somebody, like, I'm just thinking of situations I'm going through when uh, I'm trying to, uh, like, assert myself as a marginalized person. <laughs> like, why should I have to restrain myself? Like, oh, my right. God. I, like, Craig's this talking about. Nuanced. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Craig's talking about letting emails in his draft folder. I do that, too, but then I come back and I'm more angry. <laughs> 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 No, yeah. it's it's really nuanced, and, and I think that's why I've waited this long to even make some sort of public apology, because I was like, yeah. I was like, how do you, it's really hard to explain your thinking without sounding defensive, and mm-hmm. and what am I going to do, hold up all my receipts of being trans-inclusive? Yeah. It's like, that just makes you look shitty, like, mm-hmm. and it's okay that they don't know all that stuff, but also, like, have they even heard of us and do they like our band and, or is it a random, you know, like social media and having access to everything all the time. It's just really hard. And it makes these Mm -hmm. conversations necessarily nuanced. They should be nuanced. Um, And so thank you for letting me just talk about it here. Cause I feel like having an actual conversation about, yeah, we, yeah, we can have all the, we can have all the songs that, you know, talk about transphobia. We can have a, a, a trans inclusive Twitter handle, you know, that doesn't offend people. Mm -hmm. We can, we can, we can donate, we can have people table, we can, um, you know, whatever we can do all those things. But like, that doesn't mean I still can't fuck up as an ally. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And that doesn't mean I shouldn't, you know, take it, take it a hundred percent seriously and like learn something from it. So I'm, I feel like I'm doing that. And I think for me as a very femme, not very femme, um, femme of center, (laughs) uh, cisgender lady, um, uh, like it's natural probably that I would want to center femmes, right? Like I'd want, I want to mm-hmm. be proud of being femme in a way that maybe I wasn't growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you start leaving people out and it's harmful to others, like, well, that's, that's where it should stop. Like mm. me building myself up should not tear anyone else down and it doesn't have to. So. Yeah. Um, I completely agree with that. And it's really interesting to to hear both of you discuss this because as like the white guy in most spaces, especially on my campus, I'm one of the white guys in most spaces because I have a pretty um, non-white campus that I work at. There's a lot of times where I basically have to be that fly on the wall where I can't like, I don't want to mm-hmm. try to put my privilege in front of people's faces, but instead lifting up others. And I think there's a, just a level of awareness that doesn't exist for some folks, or it takes some time to develop that awareness Mm -hmm. for, for some folks, especially um, cis white dudes in a lot of scenes and in a lot of communities. And it's important for those folks to take that step back and I've been to a lot of gigs where we're, they're like queers, femmes, trans folks to the front, and I'm just like, good, like, mm-hmm. right? I yeah. can step, I can, I can fuck right off. I'm okay with that. Like, I need that because for forever, every scene is for me, right? And right. and I'm one of the folks who get that. And I don't, I'm not. When I hear someone say that, I'm not going online and be like, can you believe this fucking band? <laughs> Can you believe this? But I get it. But at the same time, I get it. And so I'm trying to like step back. 
Um, yeah. And with all, we all of need that, reminders. We all yeah. need reminders to. We can all be better. And and I think if everyone just remembers, there's always room for improvement. You can always do better. Then it's yeah. a lot less stressful when something comes up where you might have to change. Oh, heaven forbid, you know. <laughs> I'm um, saying heaven and God. I'm sorry. I don't mean to it's do Easter, that right? It's Easter, right? It's Easter. We've been like having jokes about about uh, the Bible all day. So <laughs> that's great. Um, so let's talk about the new album, Capture the Flag. Okay. Uh, what went into creating the album? Oh, <laughs> you've had no sh- yeah. you've had no shortage of content. No, uh, but you know what, <laughs> I. I didn't want to have anything to do with a full-on anti-Trump record. I just was so averse to having him any more on my brain than than he already is forcing himself, you know? <laughs> um, and I, you know, I've never been one for, you know, I, we don't, as a, I think as a band, we don't necessarily want to make albums that are like too topical or trendy like as in they're at a date Mm -hmm. as soon as the record's out um Mm -hmm. that's something that freaks me out as a person that writes songs i know it's inevitable and it's going to happen sometimes but um but the thing is like i also know realistically like we're singing about feminist stuff we're singing about things from a feminist viewpoint and unfortunately things don't become (laughs) irrelevant soon enough you know (laughs) Like, unfortunately, all these songs about abortion rights are still topical and they're not outdated as soon as the record is out, which is frustrating, but easier to predict. So I just I I definitely wrote a little bit about men in powerful positions taking advantage of people and and kind of how that translates to the country and kind of questioning like who. I just always have this question, like, who gets to call themselves a patriot? You know, mm-hmm. who's actually fighting for this country and what does that mean? And, um, and, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a complicated topic, obviously. And I don't want to, I didn't want to get into nationalism either. <laughs> like, yeah. I didn't want to be like pro USA. Um, yeah, but how do you, how do you pick and choose then with uh, all the stuff? I think. <laughs> I feel, I guess I feel lucky enough that in a way, when you're a creative person, sometimes the stuff just picks you. Okay. You know, you mm-hmm. just, I, I take in, I take in the news and stuff like everybody else. I see my little bubble of a Facebook feed and everything, but, um, you know, I try to seek out voices, um, of people that don't look like me, um, to learn kind of what's going on in the world that might not affect me or hit me right away. Right. And, um, and then, you know, so so that's just all bubbling inside while I'm working on a record and and I'm just fucking tired of Trump and and um exhausted and feeling like needing to recharge. And so like that was kind of my mood going into finishing writing the record of just being like I'm exhausted. What the hell am I supposed to do? Like I'm tired of singing about this stuff like already. <laughs> <laughs> Like, and I, I want to see more white men and bands singing about this stuff, mm-hmm. honestly. So, you know what? They can write a record about Trump. They can mm. write a record about how he's a rapist. They can write a record about how he's a racist. Um, so, uh, I, I, I don't need to be bogged down by, by that. Um, so, you know, stuff comes out. And then also... They'll just maybe a topic comes up that interests me and I'll just research it and then write a song about that. So one song that we have is written about I read the book. It's called The Chalice and the Blade. Hmm. And it's kind of how how religions, how pagan, you know, female centric religions began and how they were co-opted by Christianity. And Mm -hmm. like stories were flipped around and made to serve men and and money and. And I, I obviously like I'm not I'm not religious. I'm a capital A atheist, but but that's a part of our history, and and it's really fascinating topic to me. So um, I just wrote a song about that, you know. Um, so there's always there's always little like one off things that aren't necessarily like what's in the news today, because <laughs> that would get tiring. Because the news mm-hmm. never stops now, and especially so- over the last year and a half absolutely i feel like we've gone through a billion news cycles in each week 
It's great. I can't keep up. Hey everyone, Jacqueline here from In Between Spins. I hope you're enjoying this week's episode of the Edge of Punks podcast. I'm just dropping by to tell you a little bit more about In Between Spins. It probably comes as no surprise that I love collecting vinyl. It's been a hobby and a huge obsession of mine for over a decade. And over the years, I've had the pleasure of meeting and connecting with other femme and non-binary vinyl collectors through social media and record fairs. However, this space is still heavily dominated by men. And this is why I created In Between Spins. Every week, I'll share pieces of my record collection, books I'm reading, art I'm enjoying, and whatever else I'm doing in between spinning records. In addition to the In Between Spins YouTube channel dedicated to femme and non-binary vinyl collectors, the first quarterly zine is available now to purchase with all proceeds going to Trinity Place Shelter, a homeless shelter in New York City for LGBTQ youth. This first zine is centered on feminism and how we navigate relationships with male figures in our lives. If you'd like to get involved with the channel or zine, feel free to reach out to me on social media or email hello at inbetweenspins.com. Talk to you all soon and enjoy the rest of this episode. So it's April. um, So that means it's Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Um, And I mean, going off of what we were just saying, like, we've got some wild stuff going on in the the country slash world at the moment. Um, And we hear about sexual assault fairly frequently. Um, Do you feel like this renewed conversation is going to change anything? I do. I think it already has, actually. I like to try to keep a positive outlook on things and feel hopeful, um, even though it can be hard. But I feel like if I keep a positive outlook, then it makes it it makes it easier to keep fighting. And because otherwise, what's the alternative? Just crawl into a hole <laughs> and live there, right? Maybe. Um, so I'd rather I'd rather live in the world, feel good about people, um, and try, right? So. I think it's already changed some things. I think the Me Too movement has already changed some things. Because I've been working on this stuff for like, you know, Mm -hmm. several years. um, Since like 2010. And so I've seen a drastic change in how we talk about street harassment and how much we, you know, believe victims now. um, And how, you know, when I do workshops, people need less and less background information on That's the fact great. that sexism exists, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I, cause I certainly even starting out, I did some workshops where I was having to explain victim blaming in a real way. Like they were really like, Hmm, what is this concept? You know? <laughs> and now people are like, people get it. Um, so I, I think it's good. I think, I think overall people are getting better and better and more aware. Um, so I think it's fantastic that some really tough offenders are are seeing consequences for their actions. Um, I think that we can keep going on that, and as long as we, as long as people listen to the people that have been doing this work for a long time, and and actually start paying attention and reading up on restorative justice and mediation and giving people second chances if they actually dedicate themselves to improving and you know then we can actually that's when we can actually solve these issues um but it's really holistic like you can't just put people in jail um it it definitely helps to put people like weinstein and like serial abusers you know put them in jail or, or or take them away from all their business or kick them out, you know, whatever, like, I think that's helpful for people to see an example of there are actually consequences for your actions. You don't get to just do whatever you want to people whenever you want. Um, but it's not the end. It's not the end goal. Cause then eventually like we're all complicit in some way. And so we'd all be in jail, <laughs> you know, eventually. So it, it's more about like, okay, now let's actually teach the right ways to do things and have, protocols in place so it never gets to that point where someone's been doing it for 30 years um and and taking people seriously the first time and realizing like you know if someone's getting a weird vibe and they you know oh his hand touched my shoulder in a weird way and i feel uncomfortable deal with it then don't let it go for years and years because it's not going to stop there so Mm -hmm. um i i think we're on our way so how'd you get started doing those uh, sexual assault prevention workshops? 
you know, I don't know if I'd call them sexual assault prevention workshops. I feel like, um, so I work, I started the Baltimore chapter of Hollaback. Mm -hmm. And after doing that a couple years, my team and I at the time, we figured that there was something really proactive we could, we could do to prevent harassment. And it was um, to go into venues like a small club or a bar or a bookstore, Mm -hmm. sex toy shop, whatever, and teach them how to deal with complaints of harassment in a Mm -hmm. victim-centered way, right? So instead of being like, like, oh, hi, uh, hey, I was just harassed. Uh, That guy made me feel real uncomfortable or whatever. Instead of being like, oh, sorry, (laughs) you know, or or, what do you want me to do about it? Or, well, you are dressed really hot, so I would too, like, (laughs) which are all things people have said. Oh, yeah. Instead of that, we say, how about you say all these other things instead? How about you give them some power back? You give them some choices. You believe them. And, and you know, you're not a cop. You're not trying to find out the hard truth. You're just trying to support that mm-hmm. person in the moment and feel respected and validated. And, and then tell that other person, like, hey, you did this thing. And tell these potential harassers, like, hey, don't do that here. Because if you do, then you got to go, you know. Whereas before there was like nothing, no consequences and no support for victims. Hmm. So I've been doing that for a few years now. And um, I look at it more. It's not even like sexual assault prevention. It's like sexual assault prevention prevention (laughs) or something. (laughs) Like I look obviously like if we look at violence like a spectrum on one end is no violence whatsoever. And then you go all the way to, and it gets more serious and more deadly. Um, But I feel like street harassment is the first kind of thing that people try out to see what they can get away with when it comes to exerting power over other people. It's a really easy thing. It's quick. There's no cops around. There's no one to like get you in trouble. And, and then you're gone and it's over and you get to leave scot-free and the victim is just like, uh, what the fuck just happened, right? And so it's like a precursor. It's like a it's like a kid putting their hand in the cookie jar, seeing if they can get any cookies. And then like if no one says that street harassment is bad and that it hurts people and that affects people in a detrimental way, maybe you should not do that. If no one says that, like what's to stop that person from pushing it further? Seeing what else they can get away with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a gateway violence, you know? And so I feel like if we can go into these spaces and talk to individuals about how their personal individual interactions with others can affect them um, in either a really positive way or make them feel even worse, Mm -hmm. and how do you support them, and what does harassment look like and sound like, and who experiences what, and how do you not victim blame? What do you do if someone's in crisis? Like, if we can do all that stuff, um, I feel like we're laying the groundwork for just general respect and empathy, mm-hmm. which I think makes it harder to to push boundaries. Um, you know, so I don't know. Like in a way, I'm I'm obviously I'm teaching these folks. <coughs> excuse me, I'm teaching the folks that work in these venues specifically how to handle instances of harassment, but I'm also like secretly teaching them how to not harass. <laughs> and I'm like teaching them, secretly teaching them how to be like better allies to people that are harassed. That's how I look at it. It's super proactive instead of reactive. Well, I guess it's kind of both. A little bit of both. But, yeah. but there's, is, ro- there's room yeah. for everything. And I firmly believe in diverse tactics. You know, everybody needs yeah. something different. And this just happened to... I don't know, makes sense for me. I really enjoy it, just having these conversations with people. And um, my hope is that the more that people have these kinds of conversations, then the less uh, the less um, we'll need things like actual like sexual assault response teams and stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so I don't know. Um, it's my little pocket of expertise and and um and it's one part of the big the, the whole picture. So kind of off of that, um, you did all of Warp Tour last year, <laughs> uh, which was a surprise. Um, and if I am not mistaken, you had some stipulations 
of like, we'll do it if, um, do you, can you just like talk about that and what you did at Warp Tour? Sure. Now you're making me sound a little more badass than I actually am. <laughs> I definitely like did not get on the phone with Warp Tour Inc. and say, you got to give us this and that, you know, like, because then I'm pretty sure they'd have been like, never mind. Bye. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, we, we got the offer to do Warp Tour, and when we did think about it, we weren't sh- we we wanted to do something more than just play because we knew that if we were just playing, then I could see how some of our fans would just think that we're complicit yeah. in any of the you know issues and sexual assault allegations against some of the bands that have played there. Um, they they would take it as a tacit you know approval or something. Um, and so I didn't want that, but I also know, you know, there's, there's obviously, it's not, it's not anyone's fault that works on a tour if someone else assaults someone, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're not responsible for someone else's behavior, but you are responsible for how you respond and how you follow through. And while I feel that there's a big gap there, I still felt that, well, if we can't necessarily talk to every higher up and and you know make them bend to our will because that's unreasonable like I knew that that wouldn't happen without having a relationship with them um I can at least talk to the people in the audience Mm -hmm. I can teach them how to do uh basic bystander intervention if they see something that doesn't look right um and you know I knew that (laughs) I know from experience tabling over the last you know near decade um you can't table all day and also sing and scream Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like like I was gonna lose my voice in a second like I was already losing my voice just singing for 20 minutes a day like (laughs) yeah it was a relentless tour y'all um so we had to get someone to do it for us because I I wasn't gonna be able to do it myself so we got some cool activists uh, that already were familiar with the work. You know, they already do this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They're familiar with these concepts. And we got them to table and Kira and Autumn. And um, and I was so excited that we could bring this project to Warp Tour and that they were cool with it. You know, I got on the phone and kind of explained what I wanted to do. And and they were they were cool. They I mean, they were cool enough with it that they donated a lot of money to make it happen. So... Like, I, that can't be, you know, I, I don't want to forget that. I think that's absolutely worth noting. Um, they were cool with it. And they were cool with us having one of our volunteers, Kira, um, like, teach open to the public uh, meetings, like, for, like, the bands and stuff. Like, Warp Tour always has these, like, events after hours, and they'll have, like, hangouts and whatever. And so they let her host those just for bands and crew that wanted to learn about this stuff too. Well, um, that's really cool. It is really cool. Like, you know, and so of course in my mind, of course I'd, I'd love for every single person that was traveling on Warped Tour to have gone to that. But I know that that's um, probably asking a lot. Um, but I think it would be, you know, uh, I think it would be beneficial yeah. <laughs> for everyone involved uh, to go to one of these meetings. I mean, I seem, it seems like even having some of them would make it easier for bands to hold each other accountable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and just to recognize uh, bad behavior and to ask more of their bandmates and friends. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a message that I wish was out there more that the friends of abusers and harassers absolutely have sometimes the most power to get them to see what they're doing as harmful and, and to hold them accountable until they can hold themselves accountable. That's mm-hmm. how I look at it. Well, yeah. And especially with band, like bands that are highly populated with dudes, they're generally going to listen to other dudes. And exactly. when you can get that education to them, if you, even if those dudes can slowly, slightly evolve, their mm-hmm. friends thinking on some of this stuff, even covertly or even <laughs> doing some call in or call out work. Like mm-hmm. there are lots of different ways to show them that this sort of change is possible in the behavior of explicitly other men. 
mm-hmm. and especially men in bands that a lot of young kids look up to and want to like be in a band someday and want to be on warp tour someday and mm-hmm. i mean i know i was one of those guys so <laughs> and to to then find out that a bunch of the bands that i really liked growing up are pretty shitty to their fans doesn't feel great yeah it doesn't feel great and it's it's it totally does a disservice to every victim everywhere um to ignore what your bandmates or your friends are doing to, to minimize it, um, to let it go on, um, without confronting it in some way, then you become complicit in it. So, uh, (laughs) that I just, maybe to every festival out there, Mm -hmm. like, I know it probably seems overwhelming, like, well, what bands am I supposed to book if everyone has an allegation against them or something? <laughs> True. But honestly, honestly, like, that would be amazing if every band with an allegation got kicked the fuck off. <laughs> um, but, like, to think that, uh, that, but there's a difference between, like, straight up for real allegations and, like, oh, I'm hating on someone online because I don't like, like, if you really pay attention and you care, like you can figure out the difference and what is the point of holding on to bands, uh, that, that have this terrible reputation for the people that you're supposedly serving young people that just like music and want to go see a show. So every, every festival could do better, not trying to, you know, call out anyone in particular, but uh, everyone could do better. Everyone can book more women, have more women on stage. Everyone could have more women involved behind the scenes um, and in charge, actually in charge, not just putting forth your orders. Um, and I think that that those kinds of things, like actually just fucking diversifying who's involved and planning, like I think that that goes a long way. I also know it's really hard to have a festival and make money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like I mean, it's, ending, it's a weird so. time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's a weird I know it's a weird time, but like why be tied to to people that have this terrible reputation? <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and since there's been such a big shift, like it's cool to see that there are places that are actually taking it seriously, like watching bands drop off of tours because allegations come out or like Mm-hmm. venues not booking bands who are having that or even like we've had some venues that have had to like lose staff because of that <laughs> like mm-hmm. pretty high up <laughs> staff um and so it's just like <laughs> cool to see that actually happening because I feel like as a femme in the scene growing up like I never would have imagined anyone holding anyone accountable for anything yes yeah so that's 100%. been really cool um kind of transitioning from one uh, area infiltrated with a lot of um, <laughs> problems to another. Um, you're, <laughs> you're starting to do some college shows. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks, we'll have you at the university I work at, which is super exciting. Um, when this airs, we're excited too. When this airs tomorrow. Oh, when this airs, it'll be tomorrow. Okay, so tomorrow, tomorrow you'll be at Leslie. Keeping that in. <laughs> um, but so, like, what made you want to do college shows? Kind of, what's the? Are you thinking of doing similar conversations to what you were talking about with with Hollaback, like interwoven with the music? Like, what what's What's coming my way and what could yeah. other people possibly book? <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, you know, as someone who's been uh, teaching and training safer spaces for a few years now, um, I I am absolutely open and available to book for any, any space, anywhere, not just Baltimore, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm happy to discuss, um, I can either teach how to be a safer space or the things that people can do uh, to bring that sort of idea with them wherever they go, where they work, um, or even just talk about how we got um, to teach these and what principles are behind our specific program. Because we we created this thing in Baltimore, um, and I feel like it's pretty unique, and it definitely 
takes um, a bit of work. You know, we don't just have people sign a petition or a mm-hmm. pledge. Like we we force them to not force them. They do it consensually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But we, you know, we go in and we we have two hour trainings because you can't just say, okay, do this, 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 you got it, bye. You know, that's not enough. People have to unlearn some things and then learn some things. So um, it takes a bit of work. And so I'm happy to talk about that process and how we got there and then actually what we actually teach. Um, and anything else kind of related to, you know, feminism or being in a feminist hardcore band or um whatever i'm available so i'm actually working on a project right now that i hope will be out in the summer that will give me something else i can talk about i have to keep it a secret right now but it's all good, it's all good. um yeah but um but yeah so our uh i'm i'm available for for bookings just on my own but also as a band we are absolutely interested in playing more colleges cuz i feel i feel like it's it's cool to like share our songs with people and what i lack is is the opportunity to have conversations about the things we're singing about and it's hard to do that at the merch table when there's mm. loud music playing and and you're just tired and you've been in a van all day you know um there's just less time for it and it's and it's harder to do and and so I'd like to have those same conversations uh, where I'm not going to be screaming and losing my voice. You know, I, I, I'm happy to, like, explain what what things mean and then also learn from the people that are that are that are, you know, that learn from young people right now that are, that are doing this thing, that are writing papers, that are doing cool projects like I want to know about that, too. Um, so I feel like it could be a real two way street. And so I'm really excited about this Leslie performance. Cause then we get to, we get to play, we get to talk, go to bed at a reasonable hour. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's time for the music break portion of the podcast, bringing you a new song from the new war on women album, capture the flag. It comes out this Friday, the 13th on Bridge Nine Records. The song we're going to share with you is called Y-D-T-M-H-T-L, which is a very catchy title. It stands for You Don't Tell Me How to Live. It actually features Riot Girl icon Kathleen Hanna from Bikini Kill, The Tigre, and Julie Ruin. So hell yeah, we're on women uh, pulling out all the stops for this new album. It is a kick-ass song. Hope you enjoy it. Here is YDT MHTL by War on Women.
ha, you probably thought the song was done and then it, it wasn't done. What a great song. If you like what you heard, go check out the new War on Women album this Friday. It's called Capture the Flag. Go to bridge9records.com. Get yourself a vinyl copy, CD copy, digital copy, whatever works for you. Check out waronwomen.bandcamp.com. Get as much into this band as you can because they are pretty darn kick-ass. And I really like them a lot. And I hope you've enjoyed this conversation with Shauna because we're about to wrap it up with the lightning round. Here we go. We'll just wrap this up with some uh, like lightning round questions that are just kind of to be fun and Uh close out in a fun way. And then let you just give like a last little whatever you want folks to end with. Um, Quick lightning round. What's your favorite color? Purple. Oh. What's your favorite food? Sushi. Vegan, obviously. Hey. What's your favorite movie? Do you have a favorite movie? Current or all time? It might be The Game with Michael Douglas and okay. Sean <laughs> Okay. I know that movie. <laughs> that's what's coming to mind right now. If you ask me tomorrow, I'd have a different answer. But that's what that's what's coming to mind right now. Okay. How about TV show? Hmm... Damn it! I always go back to the office. It's a good answer. Classic. But answer. <laughs> it's always sunny. It's always sunny. Blows my mind sometimes mm-hmm. too. Have you watched the new shows with uh, or the Mick and the AP Mick, Bio? Yes. yes. I love the Mick. What's the other one you said? AP Bio. It has um, the guy who plays Dennis. I need to see that. It's I need very to see good. That. Okay. And it has Patton Oswalt as the high school principal. <laughs> so it's great. Cool. All right, I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. What's like your favorite place you've ever like visited? Ooh, um uh Prague. Oh, what was so cool about it? Uh, the architecture is just it seemed very unique and gorgeous. You know, I hadn't ever been to that's technically Eastern Europe, right? Yeah. Um I did not study geography. Um but uh yeah, so I'd been to mostly like Western Europe and the UK and so it just seemed like like, oh, this is definitely a different region, like mm. different history. I love how in architecture you can tell really immediately and visually um, that this is a unique space and it has its own vibe, you know, yeah. to put it super simply and <laughs> and stupidly. <laughs> well, no, but it's funny because recently we had a couple friends from Belgium in town and we realized that we didn't know anything about where Belgium was and apparently it's the size of Massachusetts yes so it's small Mm -hmm. I did not realize that but it's cool it's I I I love traveling overseas I love touring overseas I've only done it a handful of times um we hope to do it more obviously with the new record coming out um but yeah I like Prague and they had absinthe there and you go. that's always good. And uh, <laughs> Oh, there yeah. are plenty of days I don't remember because of absinthe. Yeah, I had a really <laughs> good time in Prague, I'll just say that. <laughs> what are some of the, like, some of your favorite bands you've gotten to play with? Uh, refused. Mm. 100% refused. Like, honestly, after that, I was like, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was really amazing that the year we played Riot Fest, we played uh, and Julie Ruin and Cedar Kenny mm. were playing, and I was and I got a picture with Kathleen Hanna, and I got a picture yep. with Corin Tucker, and I was just like, "What is my life? This is fantastic." <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, w- I would say refused most of all, though. Hmm. What about a book? Do you have a favorite book, like right now or forever? Um, right now, someone gave me a copy of a book that Catholic priests use to give exorcisms. It's like an instructional book on what, what to say and what? how to say it. I'm not supposed to have it. I'm not supposed to talk about it. I shouldn't even be saying it. I could probably get in trouble. Or God might smite me or something. Especially this is Easter, Easter Sean. <laughs> yeah, I'm really playing a dangerous game. I'm, pl- I'm playing a dangerous game with my life right now. Um... But that's what I have by my bed right now, and I've been what? reading it at night because I'm just fascinated. <laughs> I told you I was fascinated by religion. I can't like, get over it this. Me. Wow. 
I, sorry, sorry. I've I, I've studied a lot about religion as well. So this is like a fun. I need to find one of these books. <laughs> not, we're not supposed to have. I was it, gonna say so. you're not supposed to have it, so we'll maybe you so won't be able to find this it. Part of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. To wrap up, what's an album that you're liking right now? Um. I've been revisiting um this band called Adivan, okay. which was on Secretly Canadian um a long time ago. Um, yeah, I've been listening to them and Tortoise. I guess I've been needing like instrumental, but familiar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Tortoise is and good. got into Chelsea Wolf again. Um, I don't, I feel like I, I don't listen to a lot of new music or I don't remember the names. I'll have it on my iPod, but I won't remember the name of it, um, which I feel bad about. But, and then of course, like when you're making a new record, like you kind of listen to it more than you should. <laughs> which is why bands get so tired of their own songs, yeah. you know, like you have to be listening to it a lot for various reasons. So, so I've been doing that. And like, when I, I, I feel like we made a good record. We must have, because if I'm jogging and listening to it, like it feels good and I keep up my pace and I'm like, okay, well this must be a good record. Yeah. That's always <laughs> a good sign. If you can sign. work out to it, I think it's a solid solid uh effort so it is um cool last any last uh things you'd like to leave folks with uh, information knowledge how can they um, find your music um it's not like um you know the most fun thing to talk about but i think it's necessary um if you want to see more media made by marginalized people you have to pay for it mm-hmm. so that means, yes, maybe it means you pre-order our record or you buy our record when it comes out. Um, but it means uh, not just following people on social media with diverse and inclusive voices. It means buying their shit. It means going to see Black Panther and A Wrinkle in Time in the theater. It means buying music made by women and non-binary and trans folks. Um, if you really want less white, heterosexual, cisgender, privileged dudes blocking your screen, you know, if you want them... If you want to hear different shit, <laughs> you know, then you have to pay for it. So that's podcasts, that's movies, that's music, that's everything. And I think I'm just aware of that right now because we have a new record out and I have to think about that. But like if if we are going to get our messages out there, our feminist messages out there and and convert a few new people that maybe wouldn't have thought about these things unless they wanted to come to a hardcore show, you know, um, we we have to... We can't do that if no one buys the record, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not fun, and it sounds super capitalist and unsexy or whatever. Um, but I think it's important to remember that. And it's 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 um, I, I'm even reminding myself of that. You know, um, I, I I choose very carefully what movies I go see in the theater because I don't see a lot. For one, I don't I don't have the money to do it. So when I do, I want to make sure it's not just some other summer blockbuster with a white dude that's the hero and you know sexist tropes and uh what a racist bullshit in the background you know like i'm not paying for that Mm -hmm. um i'll stream it or i'll watch it later maybe sure you know but like you have to it always comes down to money i think and in this society and you you can vote with your dollar and that means you can you can make media more diverse by supporting media that is already diverse yeah. So I yeah, just want to leave people that whether you buy our record or not, I don't give a shit. <laughs> well, they're going nice to folks are going to get to hear or who have already heard some of your tunes. So they'll, they'll hopefully know by this point of the conversation. <laughs> they'll already know they hate it. Or they just turned it off. The second buy downtown boys, buy vagabond, you know, buy soccer mommy, like buy something else. That's totally fine. All of those buy something. All of those have put out great albums recently. Yeah, I agree. Good choices. Anything (laughs) you'd like to say before we close out? No. Oh, I think that was good. Tight. Well, thank you so much for spending your uh, some time with us this afternoon. Uh, I really appreciate it, and we can't wait to hang out. Thank you so much, both of you. I'll see you soon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so creepy. Katie and I ended that on the, like, we harmonized our yeahs right there. I guess we're getting real, real close. Katie and I as best friends. But we did it. 
We we did another episode. It's all done. Big thanks to Shauna Potter of War on Women. Make sure that you check out their album, Capture the Flag, this Friday. It comes out on Bridge Nine Records. Go to bridge9.com to get yourself a copy of that album. And if you like what you heard, keep uh, telling people about the podcast. That'd be really cool. Share it. Uh, rate and review it on on Stitcher, on iTunes, on Google Play. However you listen to your podcast, however you consume your podcast, make sure that you check out InBetweenSpins.com and check out Jacqueline's work over at InBetweenSpins. She's doing a lot of great stuff, and we're going to have a really good conversation at the end of the month about transformative justice in the music scene, and we're going to have one of Shauna's friends joining us from Safer Scenes uh, to have that conversation. So it's going to be really great kind of continuing uh, the theme of uh, supporting survivors of sexual violence and the conversation on uh, what it is like to be in a music scene in the modern era right now and how we keep those scenes safe and how we take care of our own folks. Uh, We hope you enjoyed this one. I really enjoyed this one. I had a lot of fun. Katie had a lot of fun. And yeah, we'll be back next week with another conversation. And I hope you uh, follow us on uh, Instagram at edgypunkspod, on Twitter at edgypunkspod, me at Craig Bittedman, and Katie Ham at uh, Katie Ham. What's their name? Gonna leave you with some sounds from another Warren Women's song called Lone Wolves. Just make sure that you check out that new album because it is darn good. That's all I got. Let's get to work. <laughs>